We're going to try to figure out how to help you understand the playoffs. I'm not sure I'm quite there after ridiculous game four in Boston, the Eastern Conference Finals. That series tied up. That's where we'll start. We're going to have George Sedano on, Heat fan, and also working the Western Conference Finals. Get a sense of this Golden State Warriors team. Likely headed back to a finals. And, of course, some story time with guys that were on the road and life advice. This episode is presented to you by Lululemon. The perfect pants do exist, and you can get them at Lululemon. The men's ABC pants are shockingly comfortable and breathable, and they come in tons of different styles and fabrics, all made to make you look and feel good. Whether you're in the office, at the gym, cheering in the stands, or just relaxing at home, these pants are in a league of their own. Buy a pair today at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Game four. Let's try to break this down. So, uh, before we get into all the stats and the history and what this means, Boston tying it up 2-2 now in the Eastern Conference Finals in Miami. The first thing I was kind of looking at is like, okay, now that Rob Williams is back, how does that change things? How does it change things for Horford? But then Smart is out. Tyler Hero is also out for Miami. So there's just a lot of different things trying to figure this out. And, and these teams, it feels like last man up, especially here in the Eastern Conference. Okay, so the first play, I'm looking at how they're going to defend Bam because we were wondering why Bam wasn't initiating more offense, why it wasn't more aggressive, run the offense through Bam a little bit more. They did that in game three. Um, none of this should be surprising, but I always kind of like to see like little tone setters in the beginning of a game to see if something's different. And I thought that Al came all the way. They're running this right side two-man game thing, Lowry and Bam. And Horford came all the way out to meet Bam almost at the break. And then Lowry ran some action where you could think of Horford maybe helping off of Bam a little because Bam's not going to hit that shot and hurt you from out there. But he didn't. He just stayed with them and kind of let Lowry do his own thing. Um, and there was there was no like shading towards him. There was another play a few possessions later where PJ was coming through the lane, a little bit of a floater, uh, and and Horford had Bam to the baseline boxed out, but he never came up to help and contest. Part of that is knowing you have Rob, but I also feel like it was this part of the plan of just staying as attached to Bam as you can the entire time. So it's like, look, don't even help on drives because if you do, then it's a lob back to him. So just stay stay with him. Let him know that you're there the entire time. So that was a small part of it. Uh, it's not the entire story of the game, which we'll get to. Uh, another small thing that I really liked that Boston did, uh, they had a two-man game that they're trying to run with uh, Butler getting a switch into Pritchard, which we've seen multiple times in the series. It was on the left side, two-man. And what happened here and I love when teams do this, is they switch into a bad matchup, but they have somebody else kind of cheating towards the bad switch going, let's switch it again. Sometimes they'll do this before uh, in a different way, but they did it after the fact. And it's hard for Pritchard because then you have to run back to whoever was originally assigned to the guy that was helping you. In this case, I believe it was Grant Williams with P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker's all the way in the right corner. So Pritchard has to get back. But the way Grant just let P.J. go to the other side of the basketball court stayed kind of at the paint. And then was like, all right, you got switched Butler into Pritchard, but I'm kind of here, and everybody has to be on the same page. This is not easy 
because it's very easy. It's easy, but it's also even easier to screw it up. It's probably the best way to describe this. And so Pritchard runs back over the corner. Van Gundy's going nuts, being like, hey, you know, they're doing some of this stuff. So, all right. The real story is it was 18 to 1, and Miami missed their first 14 shots, which is the worst start for a team shooting wise in a playoff game in 25 years. So, I don't know what the hell is going on in the playoffs. I wish I had a better explanation. I know some people think it's fatigue, uh, three point variance, which, you know, look, I don't think it's that bad. Game three, as Bill and I discussed, you know, that was about effort. It was also about turnovers, where some of the turnovers because of effort and some of the turnovers were just Boston giving the ball away a ton. And even Boston got it back still to a one-point game, despite how absurd that was. And Butler not playing the second half allows you to make that run and kind of get back into it. That never happened. There was some nice Oladipo stuff, which is like the only positive that you would take from this with the Miami Heat. Because historically, when you make your first shot at 321 of the first quarter, that means you're going to rank somewhere. So let's go over some of these numbers that I was looking at here. We'll give credit um, to some of this stuff. So it was the first playoff team without a field goal made in the first seven minutes since 2009. Uh Haral Bob had something on their long two rate that was at 28%. Their Season average was 14%. So this was going to register at one point. And I don't know what the final numbers were on the long two rate, but this is going to register as the second highest long two rate they had had. Now, if you look at the shot chart in the first quarter for Miami, there's actually about seven or eight shots that are kind of restricted area, which I know the NBA, the way they track it, they find restricted area in. But like just outside of the restricted area, Miami didn't make any of those either. They didn't make anything. They didn't make anything. Um, The Heat starting five scored 18 points total in game four. It's the fewest by a starting five in a playoff game since it was first tracked in 1971. So it's the worst starting five production in a playoff game since 71. And likely before that, that's just the first year they kept track of this stuff. Here's another stat from Sean Grady, voice of the Celtics on radio. The Celtics have 12 total losses since mid-January. Their record after that, they're 11-1 with a scoring differential of 17 points. But really what you should do is say it's 11-0 because the loss was against Toronto when they had four starters out. So the 11-1 numbers, taking out the Toronto game, Boston's winning the game after the loss by almost 19 points. These numbers are like, they're as bad as they are for Miami. Boston's had a tendency here to answer. And Tatum's been one of those guys as well. Uh, Tatum now is fourth in playoff scoring. And as bad as he was in game three, and he was bad. And we saw how bad he was in the middle of the series against Milwaukee. Uh, This is kind of what he does. And I think what a lot of the guys do that aren't Luka, aren't Steph, aren't Giannis, because I still wouldn't put Tatum necessarily in that category. I have another stat for you that speaks more to the margin of victory in general, over the last 17 playoff games, I saw this on Twitter. I don't know who had it. Sorry, a million guys had it. The last 17 playoff games, the margin of victory has been about 20 points. So 19.8. There's been a total of seven, a total in 17 playoff games, seven clutch minutes played. Seven clutch minutes played in the last. 17 playoff games. So there could be a bigger topic here about what's going on and 
what all this means and does the NBA need to fix it? You know, I will argue all the time. You know, sometimes something just happens. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a thing. Maybe this is just a really weird historical thing where there are these swings left and right um, that we can't really explain. Golden State, who's probably everybody's favorite right now to win an NBA title, is up 3-0 on a Dallas team that we weren't sure about. Um, felt good about after a miraculous Phoenix win, but but Golden State was down 55 points at Memphis in their last playoff loss. They've won four straight since then. So you're like, wait, is an NBA title team going to lose by 55 points against Memphis without Ja? Is that the profile of an NBA champ? That didn't make a ton of sense. So as I've said throughout, and I certainly can with this series, you know, when someone wins, I can talk myself into it. And when someone loses, I can talk myself out of it, right? When Phoenix is rolling, you're like, look at all this depth. Look at all the guys they have, all these different options. They have size everywhere. They have bridges defensively. They have Booker who plays well off of Paul. Paul knows when to go, when not to go. Aiton is a big that you can keep on the floor to close the game. And instead, you're like, yeah, Bridges didn't really do a ton of offense on his own. Um, Booker missed a million shots. Paul fell apart at the end of it. Do you really want to re-sign Aiton? You know, that's how quickly the conversation changes. It's the same thing with Golden State. Off the Memphis series, you're like, why was it six games without Ja? You know, what's going on with Clay? Is Draymond just going to be ignored so much by Dallas defensively, he actually becomes more of a liability? Will Looney play in this matchup against a smaller team that wants to go small all the time? And Looney's been terrific, especially when you go back to looking at what Looney did in game two. It's the same thing with Boston in this series. I can do both sides of this. I could go, well, look, Marcus Smart didn't play in game one. They switched it to Pritchard a million times. He played 30 minutes. He comes back game two. That's the Celtics. That's what you'd expect to see. It's 1-1. I think, as I've said throughout, I think Boston's a better basketball team. And then game three happens, and you go, wow, all right. You know, Miami's really tough. They're really tough. And they are. It's a bunch of really tough guys. They also might be a bunch of really tough guys that are hurt. I don't think Butler looks the same. He was a mess. Hero doesn't play, which for a team that needs offense, for a team that's biggest question mark about winning an NBA title is will they have enough offense to carry them? And then you take Hero out of the mix, and then P.J. Tucker apparently is dealing with something too. And then I start going, well, you know, Boston just handed them the basketball about half of those 25 turnovers, and they still got it to one. So why can't they come back and win this thing? And they didn't have Rob Williams. So yeah, after four games, I'm sitting here going, yeah, they turned it over a ton in game three. And even without Smart, they had Rob back, and that changes the things with Bam. And they didn't, you know, whatever. I think Miami's hurting big time, and I would be surprised if they came back and won the series in the last three. But this is the this is the story of what this series is. Another little note here. Um, speaking of guys being hurt, because everybody's kind of hurt. And it's Ty Lue's old line when they'd ask him about injury updates. He'd say, "Everybody's hurt. Everybody's playing." Um, there's one last thing. It's the, what I talked about months ago about the high usage rate in the history in the playoffs and how bad it is. It's overwhelmingly bad. Not impossible, but overwhelmingly bad. The last 20 years, the top usage guys. The top six usage players in the playoffs right now, it's Luka, it's Giannis, it's Jokic, it's Mitchell, it's Durant, it's Ja. The top six, when Doncic gets eliminated here, are all going to be home. I'm not sure what Miami can do to be better other than hope Boston turns it over a million times in game five and just shoots it poorly and the energy will be there for the heat. Uh, it's obviously not the same crowd as Boston. I don't know that anybody would debate that one at this point. Um, could they go small? Could they throw more Victor Oladipo at him? You know, they could try that. They try to go small in some of the lineups. And I thought that, that Boston was just so big at one point. They just had all their big guys out there against a the small lineup. And I thought there was a lot of rebounding issues that the Miami Heat had in that game. So uh, we'll see what happens. But overall, the swings 
and the blowouts, and obviously from just a product standpoint, the lack of close last couple minutes, uh, less reviews though, uh, it's it's a little disappointing. But it's also, you know, it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain how teams can look so opposite in forty eight hours. The playoffs are heating up, and you can make every game feel like Game 7 on FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Throughout the playoffs, all customers can place a no-sweat same-game parlay each week. You get up to $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel has so many ways to play, and best of all, when you do win, you'll get paid faster than a fast break. Let's take a look at Game 4. All right, straight line on this one. Golden State's actually the dog in this plus one. I think that's what everybody was going for in game three, thinking, all right, Golden State personality probably lay off the gas here a little bit. So it still kind of feels that way. Um, there's a total on an over-under on threes made by Clay, two and a half. Starting to feel a little bit like Clay. Starting to feel like it a little bit. Uh, let's go Andrew Wiggins. Under 14 and a half is plus 174. So you've got that. And then there's a bunch, a bunch of combined stuff on like Steph and Luca and points and assists and everything like that. So take a look at some of that stuff in there as well. New to FanDuel, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. Once again, that's promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. And if you already have an account, you're all set to bet. No sweat. Either way, you get up to $20 in free bets if your same game parlay during the playoffs doesn't win. That's right. $20 in free bets if you don't win. FanDuel Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and older in select states. Refund issued is non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet, $20 per week. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com forward slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Indiana. Illinois, New Jersey, PA, Virginia, or 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, 467-369-NEW YORK. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789-Tennessee or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET, West Virginia. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Crown Royal. This NBA season, Crown Royal is celebrating the loyal fans that show up for every tip-off. I love every tip-off. I love every one of them. And people ask me, hey, are you tipping off tonight? Because they know that's code for are the games on? And I'll say, yeah, come on over. Bring your kids. I don't care about the audio feed. You can walk in front of the television. Because this time of year, the second half of the NBA, it's about family. And that's one of my favorite things about my life. Crown Royal believes if you live generously, life will treat you royally. Visit crownroyal.com to get ready for tip-off. Please drink responsibly. George Donald joins us now. We're going to talk some hoops with him, ESPN's coverage of the NBA playoffs, and of course, 710 ESPN, 4-7 to 7 every day with, uh, with Cap, so Sedano and Cap. 
we scheduled this before game four, just so everyone understands. This is not a, hey, let's get Sedano. The series is even. The plan was to just go, let's talk hoops in general. Uh, so game three happens and then game four happens. I spent 10 minutes trying to figure it out. I'll just leave the, I'll just open the floor to you, Sedano. What do you think is going on in this series? Yeah, I, I have no idea. Uh, this thing is the wildest thing we've ever seen. Uh, I mean, everyone saw the stat yesterday. The Heat, 18 points with the starters. Lowest of any uh, starting group in 25 years. The previous low was 25 by the 2009 Spurs, which I believe the starting five of that group was Tony Parker, Matt Barner, Roger Mason, Tim Duncan, and I'm missing somebody. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it, it was a long time ago now. Um, and the other crazy thing, Ryan, with this series is, yeah, everyone talks about like the, the disparity at the end of games, right? You know, the 20-plus point wins for each team for the most part, uh, or the leads that have been at least 20 points or more during each individual game outside of, uh, game three, which was tight at the end as the Heat were trying to hold on. But the wildest stat I've seen of all is that there's only been four lead changes in the entire series through four games. That's the craziest thing. And if anything embodies what this series is, it's that stat. I'll admit, like, I thought Boston was better because they had more options. I thought that they had more offensive options as well. And mm -hmm. You know, I in the open, like I'm not sure what's going to happen, obviously. But when I started in the open, I go, I can talk myself into a path of how this is 2-2 and I would still feel good as a Boston fan going, okay, no smart in game one, turned the ball over a million times and still made it a one-point game in game three, no Butler. But now it's not just the result of game four. This Heat team with no hero and maybe a diminished Butler so give me this, your own timeline, Sedano, of how you felt about the series before it and where you're at now and kind of what you're talking yourself in and out of. So at the beginning of the series, I picked Heat and Seven. I felt that they, I thought we'd be exactly where we're at right now. I actually thought Boston was good enough, obviously, to win in Miami, and I felt Miami was good enough to win in Boston. So I, I was okay with whatever the result was going to be, and this is exactly where I thought we'd be. However, to your point, I believe that the diminished state of the Heat is something that's worrisome to me. Now, granted, they've done a fantastic job navigating this stuff throughout the entirety of the regular season and even the postseason. But with the games being every other day now, I think that creates a different set of challenges for them. Look, it's a testament to Spo, I think, and, and, and just... I know everyone hates this word, but the culture that they've cultivated, right? Um, because you've got guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess contributing in a big way in the postseason and including in this series. So can they continue to do that? I mean, I'm not going to doubt them. I, mean, I, I, I don't think it's likely, but I can't rule it out because they've just done this stuff over and over and over again. And every time somebody doubts them, they, they feel this collective thing of like, oh, we're going to stick it to everybody now because now everyone's bearing us again. And it just works itself out in some way, shape or form. Because that game three, man, that was the way they held on was basically them just their collective um, will to want to play defense at, at a ridiculous level. And for all the turnovers, people can say the Celtics were sloppy. But they forced a lot of those turnovers. That was really good defense. Like, I'm not saying that the Celtics 
weren't sloppy at least a little bit. But I felt like Miami definitely was the team that was the aggressor there defensively. So can they muster up another one of those? They, for what it's worth, Ryan, they think they're the better defensive team. Um, I know that in the regular season that didn't bear itself out. It has more so in the postseason. But they believe they can win just based on their defense. That for all the talk about their lack of execution, which you and I have talked about in the past, uh, in the half court on offense, they still believe that defensively they can grind this stuff out. Yeah, it's weird because I know they want to grind, but at the same point, like when I look at the beginning of game three with Lowry and him pushing the basketball, and you're like, oh, okay. And it's just, you know, I mean, it, we know the recipe. If the other team's not making shots and turning it over, then you should get into your offense quicker because there's always some kind of advantage. If it doesn't happen, reset it and get going. And I thought that was like the most glaring thing, but it, it's also tied into all of this stuff, whether, whether you're making shots or not. When you don't make right. any for <laughs> nine minutes, uh, that's, that's it. you know, the Derek White part of it, you know, maybe they weren't even thinking of him. And honestly, after the first quarter, he didn't really make any shots. So it wasn't right. like Derek White just dominated him for an entire game. Uh, I guess I was waiting for the run. So, you know, everybody's making their jokes and they're looking at the score and you're like, okay. But just like game three, I thought at some point, like the most alarming thing about game three for Boston was you close the first half with some semblance of a pulse. There's all this energy in the building for the third quarter. And then you look up and you're like, oh, you're still down 15. And they still made a run in the fourth quarter. So I was yeah. like, what, is, what does that mean? And I kept waiting for that Miami run. And again, I don't love this offense with all of their pieces. And then to not have Hero and what looked like a diminished Butler. Uh, if it's going to look like that again, this, the Heat can't win the series. Right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. If J Jimmy Butler can't be three of 14, they're not winning very many games like that. Um, and if you look at it, um, had a couple of these flare ups with his knee. It's, Look, I don't know. The, I don't know the specifics of the severity of the knee, but it, it's something he's had to manage all season, which is why he's missed as many games as he has. And every time he comes back, that first game has been pretty terrible. So, you know, but he's had more time off in those scenarios. There, there's not very much time here. So, can he have that bounce back game? I, I, I think we just kind of need to wait and see. Um, but the hero thing concerns me because, yes, they've dealt with him having some injuries in the past. But even when he's been on the floor in this series, they've been at somewhat of a disadvantage. So I, that concerns me a little bit as well. Um, in that game, to your point, I did feel like they would make at least a little bit of a push in game four. But they were really bad on uncontested shots. They shot 28% on uncontested shots. And that's not trying to take away from the Celtics, particularly Robert Williams and Al Horford, who were incredible um, last night. They were, I think, a, I think Al was like one of 12 when he contested. They were one of 12 against him when he contested shots. And I think Robert Williams was like, I think there were three of 14, something like that. But so those guys were awesome. But there were opportunities for them to get back in that game and they, they just didn't. Um, but it, it's been the concern that I've had with them the entirety of, of, of the season heading into the postseason. And, and again, it's something you and I talked about the last time I was on the show with you was that the half-court offense, if there was one thing that was going to concern me, uh, that was the thing heading into the playoffs. But um, 
It wasn't a huge issue against Atlanta because, you know, I don't know. Atlanta wasn't all that good. Um, Philly was a bit discombobulated. And the Celtics team is, you know, has been the best defense in the league this season. So this is a different uh, beast for them to have to go against. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm just done ruling them out. Uh, I still think it could be a seven-game series. If Hero plays uh, and Jimmy's back to being somewhat uh, what we've seen from Jimmy in the past, I, I still think they can they can win game five. And, and then I, I think at that point it's a seven-game series. Let me ask you about Bam. I love him, okay? And we know he had a slow start in the series, and then game three was the Bam game. Uh, is he somebody that's appreciated more when you watch him every night? Or is it perhaps a little bit less compared to the national guys that like go, oh, I love Bam. You know, I'm I like to think I watch a lot of basketball. Yeah. But I I wonder if, if Bam has this like slightly lower local ceiling than maybe the way people look at him nationally. Oh, I, I disagree. I think it's the okay. other way around. I think that people like you who watch games you know, for the most part, every night. Um, I think people appreciate you because you know what he's capable of, right? And I think that you, and Eric Spolster has been pushing this um, for a long time. Like, we wouldn't be as good as we are defensively, and, you know, they're a top four team defensively without him. Like, he masks a lot of their deficiencies with particular players. Uh, previous to this team, when Duncan Robinson was out there and Tyler Hero at times in big moments, he was the guy erasing all those mistakes when teams would hunt those guys particularly. And he still does some of that as Hero gets hunted individually. And, you know, obviously Duncan hasn't played as much. But he's the backbone of everything they do because out of all the guys at that position, he's one of the few that can literally guard all five. We've kind of, it's become in vogue to say, oh yeah, that guy can guard all five positions. But can they guard all five positions well? the question and there's very few of those and he's certainly one of them so i don't think people appreciate that i don't think people appreciate how he initiates a ton of their offense particularly at the elbow um you know previous seasons well not even previous seasons earlier in this season you know when duncan was still playing a bunch um you know their dribble handoff game was a big part of their offense and without duncan being in the lineup that has hurt his offense a little bit because there was a lot of dives for him in those scenarios. Then when Lowry is out, there's someone who he had a really good connection with instantly uh, getting himself involved in the offense, particularly as a lob threat. So don't really just run offense for him. He is a guy who runs offense for everyone else, right? Like, and, and I think that that kind of weirds people out, people that don't understand the game uh, to a certain degree or that just watch it casually, don't get how much of an initiator he is on offense. They just know he's really good at defense, and they just feel like, well, he needs to be more aggressive. And yes, that's true too, but also the way they set up their offense, they, he's a facilitator in a lot of ways, and he'll get it back depending on who's on the floor with him. So I, I just think it's you're kind of one of the few people in the national media, Ryan, that understand his actual role within the concepts of the offense. Real quick, though, I loved when you talked about the one through five because we are throwing it around way too much now with guys. Like, oh, he can guard one through five. And you're like, wait, what? Like some guys <laughs> I'll hear, like I was reading some 
some recap of a game the other night and I'm not going to say who the player is because then you're going to figure out who wrote it. And then I, I don't want to do that to the guy. And I was just like, why would you say this? And by the way, but the, the counter to that could be, well, guarding one through five isn't really that hard anymore because it's not like anybody's going to run their offense through the post. So you have these guards. Right. You don't have the Chauncey Billups at the block in the post fighting with a guy six inches bigger than him, which is what made Chauncey so great. Because um, nobody's going to just, nobody, they would think of it as like wasted possessions even with the size uh, advantage. Okay, so let's... Um, I had something else there with with Miami and Spo. Can you kind of tell how Spo feels about a team year to year now? I mean, he's been there a long time. He is the best in the league. Uh, he's had different versions of this. And you always are like, wait, you got to take this team seriously. There have been years where I looked at the roster. I was like, come on. And then I look up. I'm like, look at this. Look at this. They're going to make the playoffs again this year. Uh, he's the best. So I wonder if you have had, and again, I know you're not there locally, like covering the heat every single night, but do you get a kind of sense? Like, I just thought he was so funny in the sideline thing where he's like, we're a little disconnected. Um, you know, he was kind of laughing almost at how absurd it was, which I kind of love about his attitude. Like other coaches yeah. couldn't pull that off. If he were a new guy laughing about how bad his team was in game four of the Eastern Conference Finals, you'd be like, what's up with this guy? But what else can you do at that point? It was so absurd. It was so bad. Give me anything that you can share with us about Spo and, and how he navigates this kind of stuff. You know what, Ryan? I mean, you remember this. I mean, you know, he came into the league Right. His first couple of years, you know, he had Dwayne, obviously, who he had a great connection with, you know, because Spo, people talk about the video coordinator stuff, but what they don't know about Spo or doesn't get spoken enough about Spo is that he was one of their best player development guys. Right. Like everyone talks about the video room, but when Dwayne Wade first came into this league, he was obviously an incredible athlete, could get to the rim with ease and was a very good defender. But he didn't have much of a jump shot. And the guy that worked with him on creating, particularly the mid-range stuff, which is what really opened up his game in a lot of ways, uh, was Eric. And Spo was their player development guy for a long time when he was an assistant. So he kind of carried some of that stuff over over the years. Like, And he has still done a lot of that, even though he's the head coach, right? Like He has a lot of input on the way they develop guys. So when they get these kind of diamonds in the rough um, kind of collaborates with the scouting group and Adam Simon and Chip camera. And then, uh, you know, EA, their, their, you know, their player development guy. And, and he, he's very involved when it comes to that stuff. So I think that the combination of that, right. His background being that being a big part of his background that people don't discuss a lot. Um, and the fact that, you know, then in year three, he's dealing with this LeBron Wade Bosch team and all the scrutiny that those guys had to deal with. He's kind of seen it all at this point. Like there's nothing that he that he's going to encounter that is going to be wilder than anything he's already encountered. OK, from dealing to the highs and lows of that LeBron Wade Bosch team to dealing with making the playoffs after starting whatever it was, nine and 31 one year with Dion Waiters and Goran Dragic as his best players and dragging them to 41 and 41 uh, and actually just missing the playoffs that year, like by a, a, you know, a tiebreaker scenario. So like, he's just been through all this stuff. I, I've always kind of said to people more recently that, you know, he's kind of at the peak of his powers, right? Like he knows how good he is. He, he's seen it all. He's done it all. 
And he's going to maximize every group that he's had. And he's been doing that for a long time. But now, uh, you know, this year, I feel like considering all the injuries they dealt with through the regular season, being the number one seed, right? Holding the teams off, dealing with the stuff he dealt with with Jimmy, um, you know, uh, towards the end of the season in that Golden State game. I just think he is so good at just staying even um, that, yeah, he doesn't take it. He, he doesn't like take everything so seriously that it just, it, it frustrates him. He doesn't get frustrated very much. He's like the boxer who you can just, he'll take you the distance every single round uh, or every single fight because he's just good at it. He's like Floyd Mayweather, right? In that scenario where, you know, it may not be the prettiest thing in the world. Um, it may even seem boring at times, but he's going to get you to the end of that fight and he's going to have a chance to win that fight because he knows how to just kind of, poke you and poke you and poke you and just like literally, you know, body blows and, and just wear you down. So that's just kind of where he is at this stage of his career. He's seen it all. He's done it all. Um, he's great at the player development stuff. He knows what guys ceilings are. He knows what guys floors are. And he kind of trying to, he, he kind of adjusts his rotations uh, from game to game or even from season to season accordingly because of all that stuff. You're doing the Western Conference Finals as well. Uh, are you surprised Golden State's up 3-0 on Dallas? I am. Um, only because, look, I thought they'd win the series, uh, but only because of the way it went down in Game 2 and Game 3, for that matter. So, Game 2, I mean, I was like, I, I kind of thought they had a chance when Stephen Clay had played so poorly, Dallas, that is, um, that. Stephen Clay played so poorly, and I was like, yo, Dallas is only up nine. And I'm like, I feel like this is a little bit of a missed opportunity here. And then we saw the avalanche come. Um, so I really felt Dallas let that one slip. And then in game three, um, yeah, game three, it, it just felt like they were out of sorts completely. And, you know, Luca was good, but they're making him work in a way that no one had made him work previous to this series even phoenix uh basically what kerr's done is they've said to andrew wiggins you're guarding him you're picking him up beyond half court sometimes we're going to have you pick him up full court and it's not that again that luca's not being efficient even in this series but they're making them get into their offense really late so the average time when Luca brings up the ball and crosses half court and the, he actually passes the ball, Ryan, is nine seconds, almost 10 seconds into the play clock. So now you're talking about 15, 14 seconds on the clock and they're just getting into their offensive set. And that's really screwed Dallas up in a big, big way. Um, so they need to figure out how to get the ball out of Luca's hands quicker maybe get it to Brunson or Dinwiddie or whoever else is going to be on the floor with him and, and then get it back to Luca. So then he can run the offense because they're wasting a ton of time through three games. And that adjustment has yet to be made by Jason Kidd, even though I think Kidd has done a decent job in this series with some of the stuff that he's done. Like he's closed off the paint a little bit on defense, but the offensive part to me, I'm surprised that they haven't been able to overcome that, how late they're getting into their offensive set. Because you've been around him, you know, a bunch now doing the NBA stuff for ESPN, give me a sense of like 
how Golden State sees themselves. I know the easy answer would be like, hey, they won titles before. It's still the three guys that are there, and it's Kerr, and it's the same thing. I, I, I got to imagine there's some part of it that's a little different. And then also compare that kind of what Dallas was like coming in after that Phoenix win. It's like, hey, nobody believed in us. We had this upset, and now they're down. Like, give me a sense just being around them all the time of the personalities of two teams at this point. So let's start with Golden State. So I had a, a long conversation with Steph um, after game one, and I just kind of asked him, like, you know, obviously the last two years had to suck. So, like, like are you guys just enjoying kind of being here? Um, you know, where it was, it felt like it was a given for so long. And he he totally went into this conversation about how much patience they've had to have, uh, obviously the injuries, and then developing some of the have in the rotation, right? Uh, having some patience with some of the young guys, having patience with, I mentioned the injuries, right? But just clay and, and, and him trying to be clay again. Um, even a guy like Kevon Looney, who in the last run was a young guy, you know, he played a little bit, but now he's like an integral part of what they do. And he saved them <laughs> in game two. Maybe Draymond went down with five fouls with six minutes to go in the third quarter. Kevon Looney goes nuts in that quarter, has 11 points. They're, uh, he, they were 0 of 6, the Mavs were, with him as the primary defender. He was forcing turnovers. I mean, he was fantastic, had 21 and 11. It was the first time he had a 20-point game in his career. He hadn't had a 20-point game since he was a freshman at UCLA. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just to them, like, them realizing that, hey, we're getting older. We should appreciate this stuff more. Um, not a given by any stretch of the imagination, and them understanding the patience of their player development, whether it's Looney, whether it's Poole, um, even guys that just kind of sub in and out briefly, right? Like even a Damian Lee who uh, was playing the other day, didn't play all that great. But again, they've had to rely on a lot of different guys. Um, and, and there was questions about whether those guys were reliable. And you're seeing now, particularly with Poole and Looney, that they have been reliable. So I think that, it was it was a lot of that, right? Like just kind of understanding the moment, not taking it for granted. And then with Dallas, it was that. It was this defiance of we weren't supposed to be here. None of you picked us to be here. And, you know, we're going to make the most of it. And and it was weird because I saw Jason Kidd's comments after game three. And I, I, I wasn't there to see it, Ryan. But that defiance almost came across like, to me, like waving the white flag a little bit, like understanding we're not going to win the series without having seen the way he said it, right? Because I don't have that kind of context. I'm just looking at the words. Um, but it feels like it has morphed from the defiance of we, we're here, we belong here, you didn't pick us, to, oh, yeah, maybe we, we're not ready for this stage yet, but we're going to enjoy being at this stage. Thanks, man. Enjoy game four, and uh, I'm sure we'll check in again soon. Take care. Thanks for having me. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cashback on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, subject to credit approval, savings available to Apple Card owners, subject to eligibility, savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. 
With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. What's up, boys? I feel like... Sorry about the basketball earlier. I feel like we all needed to catch up. So Rudy was <laughs> off. I, I forgot that he wasn't even on the Sunday Night Pod. I asked him to jump in about an hour in. They were like, hey, idiot, he's not even here today. I cut so, that out. Uh, Don't worry about it. Oh, you cut it out? <laughs> all yeah, right. I cut that um, out so Rudy came coming off a bachelor party, then right into grown-up stuff. I called Saruti while he was at the bachelor party because I was at the combine. I had a really good story. I actually think it's a good story. Saruti would back that up. Can't share it with everybody. But I didn't want you to pick up. I didn't want you to pick up, and I was kind of glad you didn't. So uh, that's on me, and I there's no one else. I just got to look in the mirror and blame myself for that one. No one else I can blame. A couple things that happened. One, uh, I really do. I wanted to try to hop on on Thursday when we got there. I was like a couple drinks in, just getting home from the Windjammer. Couple, well, everybody wasn't in yet, but I heard where, some where, technical where, issues. Where was the location again? South Carolina? Yeah, we were in Charleston. It's a great spot, right on Isle of Palms. Uh, and it was beautiful. And it was the first day we were there, had a couple of drinks, and I was ready to talk about why I think Chet Holmgren should be the first pick in the draft. But I guess there was some technical difficulties. So we, we, you know, maybe we'll do that at a later date. But you did call me twice and you sent me a text. And I, I remember seeing them, but I wasn't really in a position to pick either of them up. First, you're, you called me. I think when they were in the middle of playing 21 cups, so that wasn't great. And then you also called me. Luckily, it was on silent during the reception of the wedding I had to go to on Sunday. Ouch. So not great timing for Ryan. But I, I, I did hit you back and I got the story. and It was a good story. You called me back on Sunday. So that's why I thought I was in the clear. I didn't know we were at a Sunday wedding. So you went bachelor party, Carolina, back to the Northeast for a Sunday wedding. Yeah, I would not recommend. So I flew, Ugh. what, 6 a.m. flight on Thursday. I think I probably got, I mean, the bachelor <laughs> himself, I think got about four hours of sleep in three nights. Um, and they're all younger, dude. They're younger than me. So they can after a little bit harder. So I was trying to keep up, which is not a, I would highly not recommend that either. But uh, yeah, so after a, lot a of high weekend not of that, recommends. would definitely not recommend. Uh, after a weekend of that, flew to Boston to go to my college roommate's wedding, which was fun. But I just, I looked horrible. I, and I was seeing a bunch of guys and people that I hadn't seen in years. And I'm like, wow, they probably think I'm just like, something's going on in my life here. I've hit a rough spot uh, because my eyes were bloodshot and whatever. But we had a good time, made it back, got some sleep, and I'm feeling all right. Tested negative for COVID, so here we go, ready to go. Yeah, he didn't sound great Monday. I think we spoke briefly. I was like, I could tell. I could tell something's wrong with this guy. My voice was is like, still messed up. Yeah, it was like the Van Gundy flu game for game four. Yeah, I mean, I toughed it out. Like, you know, that, I, I put in the effort. That's all we can say. But we've survived. We're back. And, uh, you know, I, it, honestly, like, it was in a good spot for Kyle. These are, guys, these are, these are Kyle's people. Like they were salt of the earth guys. I don't know. There was a lot of golf. So I don't know if you're a golf guy. Rosillo. Actually, I was telling the story, uh, Ryan, about how much like you hate talking about golf. And the guys love that. They absolutely love that. Because some of the guys, it's, it's like a weird basketball party situation where like half of them are really into golf and the other half just do not give a fuck about it. So it was like kind of like t- totally different vibes. And uh, when I told them that, they were excited. But uh, look, I yeah, like man. golf. Yeah, I like golf. But I just don't. I thought every interview where people would be like, hey, man, you hit them long, hit them straight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just be like fucking sitting there watching the clock tick away. Like you got eight minutes with this guy who gives a shit about his drives. Yeah. And Hit so straight. Uh, Don't yeah. care. Yeah. Hey, Scotty, Scotty, you getting out at all? You getting out at all? <laughs> How's oh, that yeah. You know me, you still, you still stealing strokes. <laughs> Better put it out. Yeah. 
No, I'm just talking about like in the interviews. And Van Pelt <laughs> would agree with me, by the way. He would agree that. Yeah. And then, then it became a thing where Van Pelt would start asking guys about their golf game. Hey, how are you hitting them? How are you hitting them? You know, get Tony Dorsett on. Like, yeah, let's ask. Let's make sure we get a Tony Dorsett. How are you hitting them in there? Uh, anyway, um, the only reason we bring up Tony Dorsett is because when we were doing the Dallas Super Bowl, the the Fort Worth location and the you know stairwell covered in urine. They were like, this is a great vantage point for you guys to do the show. And we're like, what? And then Tony Dorsett showed up and he was like, what the fuck? Are you, you guys are at ESPN? What is this? <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't know. Talking out loud. Kyle, how are you doing? I feel like I just needed to check in with you guys because I don't know. Because Thursday was such a mess technically because I was in Chicago for the combine. That was something, man. Yeah, it was bad. Because when you go to the hotel and you're like, hey, is anyone else complaining about the internet? And the guy goes, well, <laughs> he goes, yeah, there's a couple, you know, there's a couple. I was like, so it's an issue. Like, it's a real issue. And like, I can't do the podcast here. Yeah, not a great start. I think 10 minutes before we had Barkley, he was like, I'm going to go yell at the manager and make him find something. It's like 10 minutes before he showed up. And I think I was alone with Barkley for two minutes. And it probably felt like 10 extra minutes because I, I was know. like, we'll just see if he comes back. I was like, I, I just kept saying it uh, should be 30 seconds. So I think I, I <laughs> said 30 seconds, maybe three, four times. And then you showed up and I just <laughs> whew, let out a huge breath. So I know of all the, of, <laughs> we don't have technical difficulties really ever. And for all the days to have it, cause I was on the road and normally like whenever I have to do this from a hotel, it's never an issue. It's never been an issue. And then the guy starts saying, I can have a guy come up, maybe reset it for, it. I was like, all right, we played that game before. Like, I'm not trying to play Mike Tyson punch out here. I'm trying yes. to interview Charles Barkley. <laughs> I'm not, I'm nowhere then, near old enough for you to tell me just redo it. Like just re yeah. restart <laughs> it. Like, I'm <laughs> not, I'm not 75 guy. What I, know, I know when it's working. I know when it's not working. It's not, we're not pushing the reset button on this thing. And so then he goes, well, you could just do it in the lobby. And I'm like, you know, this is actually, I know everybody has a podcast. People actually listen to this one. So I can't just do it in the lobby. I can't just do it in the lobby and just be waving at people while I'm interviewing somebody. And then finally, some guy like got me upstairs. We only dropped it twice. But after that, I was like, I don't think I could check into that hotel again because I had to do the deal with Bill. I actually did an adult. I spent the, uh, I spent the night in Lake Forest, Illinois. Beautiful beautiful little town. It actually has a small school, 1500 admission, apparently D3 sports, 23 varsity sports. Incredible. Little setup. Did a little plunge, uh, jumped in the water, 53 degrees Sunday morning. That'll wake sounds you like up. Sounds like Potsdam. Nice. Sounds, yeah. Sounds real cool. Michael, real situation. estate might be a little more expensive than Potsdam. Just guessing. Well, some areas. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so there's, I don't really have a ton more interesting on that. I just, we just needed the whole group to check in. I How was your trip through. back? I heard, uh, you know, came back yesterday, right? Heard you had a, a rough flight in. Bad flight in. Yeah. Again, once again, when people complain about Delta, I just assume you don't travel that much because I was not on Delta this week and I'm not going to say what I was on. Delta is the best. It's not close. Uh, I don't know why anyone would argue with me about this as somebody that had to fly in and out of Connecticut and it was always connections the entire time. Airlines make mistakes. They all do. Uh, Delta makes far less than everybody else does. So when I see somebody on social media being like, oh, here we go again. I'm like, well, then you don't fly the other airline. So I had to try, I had to do a different airline. We crashed basically when we landed and crashed. Like it was so hard that people were free. Like you ever hit the tarmac or runway, whatever. You ever hit it hard and go, whoa, that kind of, this was a jolting, screaming experience. Did you hit and go back up? Yeah, bounced up. Nice. Yeah. Were you scared? No, I was pissed because like, I hurt my leg. <laughs> that's, so, that's the most Ryan thing ever. Going to be recovering from this for a while now. Yeah. Right. 
And then you're kind of thinking like, is the pilot going to say anything to us on the way out? Because we'd already been delayed. We were circling forever. It was a three and a half hour flight. It took six from sitting down there. It was six hours until I got out of the seat after we crashed. I don't, I don't think the pilot even got out to say anything to anybody. Cause you're kind of hoping like, can I just look at you on the, at the end of this and just go, <laughs> Hey, that was, a, you know, like, can you give us some acknowledgement? That was a fucking disaster on yeah. the way in. Just something. Just let me know that you feel something inside. Just a quick, my bad. That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's all. I, I just want to look at you and go, because the pilots have a tough gig, but I did this rant before about how when as soon as a guy says, oh, we're just double checking the logbook should be five, 10 minutes. Crack open your churn out because you're going to be there an hour. <laughs> All right. Well, that was like Kyle telling Charles. That's Barkley, the Barkley. 30 seconds. <laughs> 30 seconds. Yes. <laughs> so you just know. And I, I there's there has to be some psychological thing that they've done where they go. If you tell everyone, hey, we're going to be here an hour. It's way worse for the for the, you know, flight attendants. It's it's just way worse for vibes, I think, if you go, hey, it's going to be an hour, probably going to suck. Yeah. Whereas if you just incrementally lie and keep going, hey, five, ten minutes, I don't know where this logbook is, you know. They said that we're good <laughs> to go. We're ready to, we're ready to go. You know, I, there has to be some psychological thing behind it uh, where we're, I guess we're idiots. And we no, just this like is a you truth. can't handle the truth situation. Yes. Like people just can't handle the truth. That's what it is. If right. you tell them an hour, they're going to freak out and start making phone calls. Social media starts blowing up. Big cat gets on the case. Uh, it's if you tell them five minutes then you, I can, they just they kind of all right, I'll get on my phone for five minutes. They don't realize 15 minutes has passed. Like that's kind of how it works. I would rather be told the truth once than lied to five times in increments. All right. This is not a pay as you go. This is not karma or whatever it is. Like, you know, I don't, nice. I want the bad news now. All right. Remember that so, ad we read in, a year ago. Nice. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> Did I even say it right? I think I forgot. No, you, you nailed it. You fucking nailed uh, it. So anyway, I that's just, a great I, point though. If you're like, if you go bad news, good news, like who, who goes good news first? That's insanity. You always <laughs> give me the bad news. Like, what's the worst thing I'll, I'll prepare? I'll deal with it. It doesn't change anything. Like I'm in this seat for an hour, no matter what you say. So just tell me. And that way I can kind of adjust. Maybe it's a working out mentality of like, how many more do I have? I don't just go one and then say one again. <laughs> so, uh, I only one time, I only one time said anything and it was out of Detroit snowstorm two hours, you know, Hey, we're de-icing. Oh, we're de I can't believe they didn't de-ice. Oh, I guess they did it. You know, and it, on and on and on and on and on. And it took forever, took forever. And I just, on the way out, I go, Hey, as everybody's like high five in the pilot, like it just hit the game winner and you're just going, and I stopped because it was wasn't it wasn't a huge line. It was like the end going. On. Not many people were going to Hartford at Sunday night at midnight. Fair. And I go, why can't you just say, "Hey, we're going to be here a couple hours"? Yeah. He was like, "What?" He gave me like he gave me some of that, and I was like, "No, no." And then I did. I I brought this up before on the radio. It it didn't go over well with the flight community. You know, people like, "Oh, the job <laughs> is hard. You don't get it." I'm like, I know the job is hard. Yeah. I know that I'm not flying the plane. I'm just saying overall the industry needs to ask themselves serious questions about do we really think we're making it better for people by just saying, hey, it's going to be 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five or six times. Just, mm. just fucking say, hey, we don't know. We don't know. It's kind of sucked. The other thing too, and this is probably going to piss the flight community off, but isn't really the only job of a, again, this is going to come off really wrong. 
isn't taking off and landing like kind of the only variable there? Like the, once the plane's in the air, like the pilots, it's kind of on autopilot. Isn't I'm not it? I can't believe you just said that. I can't believe you just did that, pal. I cannot believe you just did that. All right, hit up my hit up my Twitter. My bad. <laughs> Shit, Rudy's gonna be writing into Life Advice next week. I can't get out. I can't. I took a day off. I'm I'm hot. I can't book any flights. <laughs> I'm gonna miss my next wedding. Yeah, I'm not endorsing that last part. I like I'm. <laughs> this would be a classic NBA thing. I'm as pro pilot as anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but does that mean I have to be anti-passenger? Yeah. Do, does that mean <laughs> that's great? That was even better, Kyle. Thanks. I've been paying attention. All right. Let's get some life advice in here. Life advice R at gmail.com. Uh life advice dating app. I don't know. This address, was this person trying to be so tough to detect? Yeah, I think so. That it's like this is like a fake password for Apple. When Apple's like, hey, do you want to try this password? And be like, hey, do you want me to never ever fucking remember anything the rest of my life? Like, what kind of password suggestion is that? All right. Dear podcast people, my boyfriend uh, that he listens to. Okay, so I've always, I'm always excited to hear stories he's heard during your life advice segment. For the most part, we typically agree the points being made. However, I do always joke you need a woman's perspective on your show, just saying. We had Nikki Glazer on, and she, she tore the top off of whatever kind of stuff we needed. All right, with that said, we'd like to hear your thoughts on a disagreement we've occasionally had over the last several months. We met on a dating app almost a year ago. Long story short, we met, enjoyed each other's company, and within a couple of weeks, officially in a relationship. I, a relatively more advanced user of dating apps, who uh, knew how to properly delete my account. My boyfriend, on the other hand, a novice of dating apps. I'm the second person he's ever met on one. Lucky SOB. Did not. He snoozed his profile. You guys know what this is? Snoozing a profile? I think it's just you delete it off your phone. You don't do anything with it. I think. Right. Okay. Sounds like I don't like think, there's, we'll I don't think there's a snooze button. I think it's just you delete your yeah. off your phone. Don't feel like hooking up this weekend. Just <laughs> 24 hour snooze. All right. Um, he snoozed his profile and deleted the app from his phone. Oh, so I think it might be more. I think it's something you do with the app and then take it off. For those who don't know, this does not actually delete your profile. I understand this part. Although your profile will become inactive and users won't see it come up. As an option, previous matches still have that visibility. I don't love the idea of my boyfriend essentially having a dating profile, albeit inactive. In his eyes, it's not on his phone, so he doesn't have one. In mine, there are people, even if only a small number, that still have access to his, quote, uh, unquote, profile. He personally thinks it's too much of a hassle to re-download and log in just to delete it. I understand his side of things, which is why I don't push it. But every now and then, it'll come up, and I tease him about still having one. Now we come to you. Am I being unreasonable for wanting to take five minutes of his day to properly delete it, or should I just drop it? Since neither of us have strong, uh, neither of us have strong opinions on the matter. It sounds like you have somebody a might, stronger somebody opinion. Might. On yeah, this this, you're right. just emailing into a show, yeah, right? <laughs> let me bang out a few paragraphs on something I don't care about. Um, we agreed if the story made it on the show, we follow whatever advice was given. So we leave it in your hands. Perfect. I'm gonna save you guys a ton of problems here. Just. Sit down with her pal and just delete it. Watch her. Let, we'll be like, do it. And then, uh, and then you know, she'll be like, oh, yeah, sorry, that was kind of dumb, huh? It's fine. It's great. Just do it. Then she won't ever think about it again. That's it. Sorry? I agree. I, it's five minutes. I mean, clearly, I don't, I don't, th here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think it matters. I, I, I wouldn't care, but it clearly matters to her. So just, do, just delete it. I don't, it's not that big of a deal. How did they say how long they've been dating? Uh, I, I thought know, I, this, I thought they said a year. Did I make so that if it's up? Uh, yeah, so if it's a year, a year is a long time. If it was like a couple of months, you're like, hey, delete your app. Like, I don't think it's a year. Putting the heart of the, the car ahead of the horse a little bit. But I totally made that up. Yeah, you made that up. 
Right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, but even if it is like hypothetically, if it's like a year or more, you know, if it's only a couple months, you're like, hey, delete your apps. All right. That's, you're being a little pushy. But if it's been a while and you guys are kind of like figuring out what your long term future is, I don't think it's unreasonable to want him to do it, even though I don't think it's a huge deal. But from the guy's perspective, who could just get rid of it? Yeah. Pow. If it all falls down, you could start it up again. In yeah. Five create seconds. a new one. Yeah. With a better bio, even, you know, maybe you'll get it. Maybe you'll do it better this time. But yeah, just do it. Make it easy on her and yourself. I um, I was dating somebody and I'd still had Facebook then, and I had a people, a couple of people chiming in back when your boy was in the heat zone, and she would get, she was like, "Well, what's this?" I was like, "Well, I can't really control that, you know, like somebody, somebody from my past says something flirty, you know, like it, it's my wall, but I'm not like in charge of who <laughs> says stuff, so." Is that exactly she was, what you said? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, well, fuck this. I was like, I'm not dealing with this. I don't even like this. But I was addicted to this stupid college campus vi like video game to like build your campus and add a stadium yes. and upgrade the video boards. And I was determined to not ever pay for any of the upgrades. It's just basically all these games exist because kids just fucking buy stuff. <laughs> yes. And you're like, man, like, look at our revenue. And you're like, yeah. I, did you ask the dad yet about his credit card bill? Yeah. This kid keeps racking up for coins to upgrade the landscaping yeah. in some fake campus. Battle points. So, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> right. Because I was traveling so much and I'd just be screwing around my laptop. I was like, all right, let me see if, see if the kids like the movie theater upgrades I've made. And so... <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just going to do a, a just a standard fake, you know, account. But I had to log into it just to get the video game stuff back. And then the girl I was dating like six months later went to log into her Facebook and then it came up and she's like, oh, my God. And I felt like such a loser. And I said I was doing it to stay in touch with somebody internationally. And really, I didn't want to admit I'm actually addicted to this stupid fucking campus <laughs> this game. mobile game. <laughs> it was a mobile game, right? Yeah. Well, no, back then, dude, it was like I was Farmville straight up desktop. It wasn't Farmville. It was I kind of remember that. I think I remember the college game. It's like it was like Sims kind of right. But, it was, yeah, but, but it was awful yeah. because you would just have like if you didn't, I would have rather just bought the game for 50 bucks and played something. And instead it was oh, I'll wait around two days to see if the approval rating the see. Anyway, I got to shut the fuck up. <laughs> stop talking about the whole point. The thing is, is, is girls don't like this stuff, man. They don't women. Sorry. Uh so I, I agree with the emailer here. Like, why would you want to keep dealing with this shit if it takes you five minutes to solve the problem? I don't think you need to keep giving him shit about it. All right. So I'll, I'll back up the guy here a little, but I think we're a consensus call here that the effort to put into removing the amount of times this will keep, because clearly this is going to keep coming up. I don't think this is just going to be a go away thing. So just get rid of it. Get rid of it for real. It doesn't matter. Uh, so we agree with the emailer here, but take it easy on him a little bit. All right. Okay. Am I making a bigger deal out of something? And should I expect an apology? Six, two pushing three bills Peloton five days a week though. Nice. All right. Great output, man. Uh, incident over the week. My wife had her best friend from high school visit this past week. Let's call her Ashley. Uh, she was the maid of honor, but I wouldn't say there are still BFFs anymore outside of shared history. Her parents also came along as both families are friends. Not a full house because visiting parents stay with my in-laws and we could just get together for activities and dinner. Both dads are bigger guys, as obviously I am. Everything up to this point has been a good time. And this is also in the context of my wife has friends uh, I don't like visit. 
I typically just sit in the chair and watch sports and I'm not as engaging when she has <laughs> friends visit. So I do like. In other words, Ashley is typically on the good friend side in my book. All right. So our guy engages. So we're out to dinner wrapping up. It's my mother-in-law's birthday. So we need to go back to their house for the cake gifts. We're about a five-minute car ride away. There are seven of us. Ashley's mom is not drinking so she can drive. We have one car on the premises, a Maserati SUV which is an SUV, but runs small. Yeah, that does run small. Uh, as we're coordinating our departure, I mentioned three times, why does it one group go in the car and the other catch an Uber? It'll cost us maybe seven bucks and at worst a 15 minute delay. I get overruled by everybody and we think it's a good idea to stuff everyone in the car. The driver, three overweight guys, uh, my mother-in-law in the lap of one person, my wife tucked away in the trunk like we were 16 year old sneaking into the <laughs> drive-in movie theater. All right, so... The Maserati SUV, can we pull one of those up, Saruti? It's not a trunk, right? It's just the cargo area in the back. It's like right? a hatchback, right? Yeah, I think. Because a trunk, trunk's a whole different deal. You get thrown in a trunk. You guys have been thrown in a trunk? Yeah, I think it was more of like fucking around with your kids, but yeah. Yeah, Saruti? Right in there. Yeah, I've been in the truck. The, I've been driven in the, um, the bed of a pickup truck before, which was... Wow, that's 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 kind of exhilarating. That's like uh, yeah, that's a that's doing it right. Pleasure, except when it's just open on the highway. Right. But yeah, as it's, soon it's, as it's, the car it's starts, it's not that huge. It's not massive, but it's you know there's you could fit back there. But it isn't a trunk trunk like closed no, off. No, 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 right. it's not closed. Yeah, there's windows and stuff. Right. The as soon as the, <laughs> sorry, as soon as the car starts, my wife starts complaining that it's hot, and then starts saying she can't <laughs> breathe, and she goes into crying that she can't breathe. Oh, she's claustrophobic, is she? I'm sandwiched into this car where my leg is in my chest and my hand is pinned against my side so I can't reach the handle, but I start screaming at everyone to stop the car and get out now and help her. In my mind, when my wife is screaming, I can't breathe, it equals an emergency. And especially when no one else is reacting, uh, the manners go out the window. This goes on for probably 30 to 60 seconds. Felt like an eternity. Car finally is parked and finally someone gets out of the car. We all pile out and my wife is fine. But I've got the adrenaline going at this point. I just start yelling. When I say stop the car, it's an emergency. Stop the car mm. with some expletives mixed in. Oh, shit. Ruining the so day. You, you went. You went fucking crazy. No, I like this, but keep going. All right. All of a sudden, I'm now Mr. Overreaction. Well, <laughs> you guys are both. Perfect and Ashley, the the maid of honor, no longer BFF Ashley, starts yelling at me that, quote, I can't talk to her mother that way and gets high and mighty with me. I never said anything specific about or to her mother, more to the entire group. I don't know, man. If you started screaming, stop the fucking car. Yeah, who's driving? Yeah. All right. Uh, this continues throughout the night. Now I'm pissed. I am not. Respect me. This is my house and you're my guest guy. Right? I've been historically willing to take an L on an argument when I'm in the right, just so the other person shuts up and we could turn to our pleasantries. But this time was just a bridge too far for me. I don't know if it was the seriousness of the situation. Uh, from the start, I was the, this is stupid, let's get into Uber guy. And it was still lingering. So the real question is, how hard should my feet be dug in on this one? I didn't kick anyone out of the house. But I've been a little less jovial throughout the week. We probably won't see Ashley in person again for five years. <laughs> and this would be one of those things uh, that are never spoken again. But I'm also a little exhausted of constantly being the voice of reason and then being crapped on or essentially being right. A lot going on there. All right. So I would, you know, I wasn't, we don't know. Uh, I have a lot of questions. I don't know if we're going to, well, we're never going to get answers on these. Um, if your wife is screaming 
and this is not something she normally does, um, and she's freaking out, is the husband, like, I can get you kind of losing your mind in there and going, hey, everybody else, like, my priority is my wife. I don't care what else is going on here. So I don't know why no one listened to you. And of course, yes, you planted the seed that, like, why can't we just get the Uber? Everybody told us you were wrong, and then your wife screaming she can't breathe minutes later. So I can get why you were so upset about this. It sounds like you probably crossed the line, though. Because you said there were some swears mixed in and you're denying it with the, it wasn't like, I didn't say F you to a specific name, but we all know exactly what you're talking about because they didn't stop the car. So you're talking about the driver, you're talking about the mother-in-law. So they, they clearly think you're a lunatic. Um, even if I can understand your justification, but it's hard to kind of have any idea of like, do you do this a lot? Do you get mad about things that, you think like, all right, I'm taking this too far. So we don't have the answers to any of this stuff. So I, I wouldn't say feel too bad about it. What I what I'd ask you is who cares about the W in this? What's the win in this? Where is the win? Months later, hey, you know what? We should have got an Uber, bud. You know what? Like there is no W here. So why do you care? What is what is it about it that's going to make you feel better? Unless you feel like everything's changed, but then you just admitted you're probably not going to see this woman again for five years. So this isn't like a neighbor you're interacting with. It's not like a coworker. It's not a sibling. So what really is the win for you in this? Somebody admitting that you were right about not being, I agree with you. I think all of us are going to agree with you. The, the small SUV, three guys pushing three bills, Come on, women scattered all over the place. That's insane. Yeah. You were right, man. You were right. So maybe <laughs> this is your win. But deep it, down, it, they know it, too. Yeah, but in context of, like, what you're hanging on to, what you're hoping, what kind of resolution, it's probably never coming. And if you got it, what would it mean? It doesn't even mean anything. This is probably going to go down as, like, a weird dinner event. I mean, I've got one. We've got one we talk about, you know. What's uh, yours? And, and, and those people, I don't even think I could say it, pal. I don't think I could say it, but we all know <laughs> it. Everyone who's involved, we all, we all say give it. Me a, and, give uh, me a sampling. Give me a hint. Uh, just what, a, what it was just a rough dinner, and there's like a, a motion that people do because we were all there. We we're like, oh, that was weird. Like, you know, if you did something weird when you were saying, like, if you were like moving your arms when you were dropping F-bombs, like that might be a like a, you know, might be a thing that's like, oh, you don't want to pull a bill or something like that. Like, it might just be one of those... Uh, Pull one a those, bill. Well, I don't know if your name is Bill, pal. I'm just saying. I, I like. Oh, do, you want to do a, do a pull a mark or something? You know. I, no. don't know. Um, That's I see what you're saying. No, Bill. Bill wasn't the subject of the story, but he was there. Um, so <laughs> the whole I'm going to say is, um, is, is you probably just became part of like one of those things that's going to be, you know, it's going to be infamous, and it, 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 you can you can come back from it, but I don't know if you're going to be able to. Uh, that's never going to go away. It's probably going to be talked about when you're not there. I'm just really curious who got in the trunk now that your wife said that she was no longer eligible to be in the trunk. How'd you guys get home? Sounds like you pulled over three minutes away from the house, right? He's like, it was like 60 seconds in the car and then they got out. I don't really know how they got home. I'm wondering who that's got in some, the trunk. Yeah, that's some good sleuth in there, Kyle. Who knows? She just laid across like whoever was in the back seat or something? Or we just... Because, I mean, it sounded like there was no room to squish the fourth person in there if we've got a bunch of big guys. And the big problem is what, a big person couldn't have drove. If one of the big people drove, it would have been fine. But that's just not what happened. This could have been avoided a multitude of ways. But I'm, I'm done. That's all I got. It's the only thing I'll say is there is, there is a win here, though, Ryan. I think, oh, there is. Right. I think it's the, the way that you defend your wife 
is important. Like, you know, like you have her back in the situation. If you're the one that's like, I mean, it's like the chivalry is not dead thing. If like, if no one's taking her seriously and she's freaking out in the back and you come up with a stern yell, even if there are a couple of expletives in there, that could go a long way in the relationship. Like as a married guy, like I know my, I mean, I, I don't think I would ever be in a situation like that necessarily. Uh, but my, I know, I know my wife, Maddie would, would appreciate me having her back in that situation. So, and she's the one that you see every day and she's the one that's obviously your wife. So that's kind of the most important thing. Like if you're, if you're in-laws or whatever, and you got a couple of friends that aren't super big fans of you anymore, that's one thing. But if your wife's like, hell yeah, I appreciate you having my back and that's way more important. So I kind of think there is a win there. And if that's the way it went down, then you should feel good about yourself. That's probably why I'm not married. Cause I just am so <laughs> pragmatic about everything that I feel like I'd be like, no, hey, look, I know we're married. I know we have three kids. I love you to death. But you're just, you're wrong. Kyle, Kyle was right. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> She'd be like, wait, you're taking nephew Kyle's side? I'd be like, look, Kyle made a better argument. You made a bad argument. Like, you just didn't, the, you didn't have the numbers on your side on that one. I'm sorry, but I can't. What do you want me to lie to you? You want me to tell you that you did a good job when you didn't? You didn't. You didn't do a good job. Sorry. What's for dinner? Thanks to Kyle and Steve. As always, please subscribe to the Ryan Russillo Podcast, Ringer, Spotify. We'll talk to you Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.